So welcome everyone to episode 13 of the Conversations podcast. I am joined today by a friend of mine, Herbert Barbuti. He is a missionary to Brazil. Herbert, welcome. Thanks, bro. I'm excited to be here on this podcast. Yeah, man. We are stoked. Um, you've been in Nashville with us for the weekend, and we've had an absolute blast. Yes, man. Literally a blast. Uh, we had Iris Nashville last night, uh, our church services, and Herbert and I uh, shared some time there in the speaking portion of the service, and we have two services. We have a 4 p.m. and a 6.30, and at the end of the 6.30 p.m. podcast, man, podcast, service, what am I saying? At the end of the 6.30 p.m. service, it was good. Yeah, man. What'd you think about that? It was amazing, yeah. I just felt like the Lord was just pouring out something super special. You know, Irish Nashville, I think, is just an amazing place. I think what you said about even, uh, I felt that what God was saying about even the local outreach, mm. that opening up, just felt like people were really engaged in that, wanting mm-hmm. to surrender, wanting to live something out real practically. Oh, yeah. And so I was excited, super we excited. We spoke on evangelism, mm-hmm. missions, mission. You know, I've been in this sermon series talking about purpose for the last 10 weeks now, and it's over. Uh, and on, on the 10th week in, in my series, sermon series in the summer, which was called Life in the Spirit, um, which was all about the gifts of the Spirit, the 10th week, we had something crazy happen where like people were actually becoming activated and operational in the gifts. And then here it was the 10th week talking about purpose, and we finished uh, by talking about mission, and it seemed like God really poured out something. I mean, people were in the front. People were crying. People were surrendering their lives to go for Jesus. And that's actually something as we kick off today, I'd love to have you share with everyone is what your story, your journey has been like in how you got to Africa as an 18-year-old. Because obviously I've heard stories, but you know, I'd love for you to share that. Yeah, man. I think uh, I'm just blessed because I had some amazing parents, you know, Brazilians, real fiery. Yeah. You know, uh, really believed in, in the workings of the Holy Spirit and miracles. I'd seen some of that stuff, but I didn't grow up with that because most of my childhood was up in Holland, Michigan. It was a little mm. Dutch town, reformed. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful little place, but it's like very um, traditional, mm-hmm. you know, Dutch reform, right? So cessationalists don't believe in the working of the spirit at all. That's kind of demonic speaking wow. in tongues, you know, so um, that's kind of the world that I kind of grew up in. Although I did have my parents kind of telling me these stories, but I just didn't see it. So for me, it was kind of the separated reality. Now I was a Christian. I wanted to follow the Lord that was strong in my family. And, uh, I loved that, but I didn't have that reality of, of, uh, knowing him for myself and having mm. that relationship. Uh, and so I, I led the Bible study, but I never read the Bible. Mm. Right. So I was 15. I was leading a Bible study at lunch and uh, just didn't read the Bible. I had someone else read the Bible and give me the notes so I could teach it. You know what I'm saying? It was like one verse. So that was, I mean, but that was normal in my town. That was just wow. how we did it. We modeled that after the, the way the pastors did it. Right? Wow. And so um, at 16, I just, uh, I was about to turn 16. You know, I was all about goals. So I had these short-term goals. I had my long-term goals, you know. My short-term goals were six months were that semester. And then I had my 10-year goals, right? And so my short-term goals were like just, I mean, they seem silly right now, but I mean, for a 15-year-old, it was like, you know, be popular, right? right? Have this specific girl like me, 
um, get the best, you know, honors in my sports yeah. right, in the region and then get 4.0. And there was some, something else. I don't remember what the other thing was. And, uh, it's anyway, pretty awesome. it ended up happening. Wow. But it was like three or four months into the semester. Mm. And I kind of knew like, I'm going to get the 4.0 because I passed on all my tests. My teachers are saying, look, you're going to get it. It's not a problem. You just got to keep in this course that, you know, I, I, my sports season was just ending. Uh, and I got that honors and the girl, because of that, I think probably the girl liked me. And then because of that, got popular, you know, it just all kind of happened together, mm-hmm. um, to an extent. And, uh, it just felt empty. So then at that point I started looking at my tenure cause I was like, what am I going to do for the rest of these two or three months? Right. So I look, okay, I got my tenures. Well, my 10 year plan was the American dream, right? Like a small house, a dog. And then I thought, you know, a wife making this amount of money. And then I thought, what's going to happen after that? After the 10 years, mm. you know, what do I do then? Then it's like right. more kids, a bigger house, you know, and it kind of hit me how futile this was. And I just began to pray every night. I actually began to cry in my bed every night and say, God, there's got to be something else. It wow. just has to be something else. It's got to be a greater purpose out there than this. And that's what I would cry. And I, I would do that every night in my bed when I would lay down, I would just cry. And that's what I would pray. And then evangelist came through and, uh, I was a leader at my church, my youth group and, uh, an evangelist came through from Paraguay. And so he started talking about miracles. I mean, he didn't originally, he was like this fisherman and he just talked about fishing for like 30 minutes. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, I was like sitting in the back going, Oh my gosh, what is going on with this guy? And he was just, <laughs> he was a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. That was his sermon. He was talking about how, what fishing was all about. Right. Old guy. But all of a sudden he's like, look, the spirit's here. He just completely changed. Wow. Clear the chairs. I thought he was going to do like some fishing thing. Right. And it was like, no, let's pray. This is what happens in Paraguay. People get healed, delivered. And he started telling testimonies, the little girls going into classrooms, praying, everybody falling out as ago. And in my spirit, I just identified with that. Mm. So I ended up uh, going up there. You know, he laid hands on me. I fell down. I didn't know what that was. I picked myself up. I said, sorry, man. I don't know what happened. Pray for me again. And, uh, you know, and it kept happening. But then he, he said, man, you don't know what's going on, do you? I said, no way. I, don't, I have no idea. He said, you ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I said, no. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't think so. Right. And he goes, okay, you want it? I said, yes. Wow. And so I got baptized and I felt the Lord for the first time. And that, in that moment, I, I remember feeling like this is better than life. Than any, wow. This is better than life itself. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I made a decision. Then I was 16. I said, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for you. This is amazing. This is what I want to live for. This is the purpose. This is the real thing. And so um, from there, I, I started preaching on the streets there. I was 16. I wanted to go straight on the mission field, Paraguay, because this is where I heard it was happening. Right. And uh, You were 16 at the time. 16. Wow. And uh, the guy had a dream about me. He said, look, I'll take you. But he, I looked older. I looked like, you know, I got this beard since I was 16. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I, uh, he, when he found out I was 16, he's like, well, why don't you wait? Let's wait until you finish high school of and course. then you can come out to Paraguay with of me. course and so I was just there in Holland Michigan I started preaching old ladies in the street because that's what I knew wow and I was telling you that yeah I, yeah yeah I, and I was scared to evangelize because you're yeah. talking about evangelism I used to I remember the first time I went to evangelize I think I passed three old ladies you know like that is not the one God I can't speak to him nope mm. that's not the one so I finally ran up to this old lady she was probably dead scared you know because I ran up to her 
I passed her. I ran back to her. She thought she was probably getting mugged. And uh, I said, Jesus loves you. And I ran away. And I felt good <laughs> about that. I was like, yes, Lord, I did it. You right. Um, and so. That's awesome. But that's where I kind of learned. And I, I would just lock myself in my room with my Bible. Mm. I never really read it fully. Mm. I started uh, reading the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I started the New Testament. I read it through. And then, man, I, I was just hit by Acts. Mm. hard Jesus I mean the gospels especially but then when I got to Acts I thought man this is how we're supposed to live right this is a model I was looking through yeah. the structure of the book and everything I was going just studying it right and I said this is this is after Jesus went back this is the era that we live in yeah and so that that hit me hard and uh all the churches around they're just I couldn't find people that actually believed that mm. I went to my pastor I showed him I said look you've never read this this is amazing he's like Actually, that just doesn't happen anymore. Wow. I was like, well, I haven't gotten that part yet. So I'm going to keep reading. I'll, I'll let you know, you know, and uh, I'll let you know when I find that yeah, spot. I, that I just says, haven't gotten there yet. I and this doesn't later. happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just, you know, I'm so thankful. It was like five hours a day. Just lock myself. I'd turn on Christian radio, you know, mm. like Michael W. Smith. Of course. That's what played. And That's, I didn't he's from here, CDs. bro. Oh, Nashville. He? Yeah. Come on. He's great, man. I saw him at the at the call. He's awesome. And uh, but he used to play. And Sandy, Sandy Patty, that's what would play in my radio station. So yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I would turn on. And uh, and I would read the Bible for like five hours. And wow, with that, I just, you know, um, I wanted to do something for the Lord and everyone there. And Holland had a consciousness of God, right? Right. right. And so I, I wanted to go somewhere where there wasn't. Uh, somewhere where nobody else wanted to go. And so ended up, I went to Italy with my family as missionaries. Um, but my intention was really to go to Africa mm. or, or somewhere. So, you know, I got the globe out. I prayed and fasted for what seemed like forever. Mm. I was 17. Right. It was, it was probably only like two weeks. Right. But I was like, God's going to tell me where to go. Someone's going to knock on my door and do this. Um, ended up being that that didn't happen. And I, and I fell asleep one night. The presence was really strong. My, you know, I was going for it. Oh yeah. Presence was strong. It was like two in the morning and I just faded off into sleep. And I was thinking, I was 17, right? But I'm like, maybe the angel came. Right. You know what I'm saying? That was right. the night, and I and I slept. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was like, what if that? And so, yeah, I didn't know if that actually happened. I was just like, God, okay, something's going to happen. i got to go somewhere. So I took the globe out. I had a globe in my room. You know, I closed my eyes. I prayed in tongues, and I said, Jesus, wherever you, this finger lands, I'm going to go. Mm. You, you direct this finger. Yeah. I rolled that globe, and then I put my finger down. And there it was, the place I was called to, Pacific Ocean. So I, I prayed harder. I said, there's sin in my life, God. I repent. Use this finger. I prayed harder, and uh, I did it again. It was the Atlantic, right? So I said, God, please don't send me the Atlantic Ocean. I looked for, like, islands close. There was right, nothing. Right, so right. I did the next spiritual thing. I, I There was this new thing at the time. It was called Google, man. This is actually oh, yeah. was new at the time. Google was like. new. Yeah. And, uh, and um. I went on there and I uh, typed in darkest place on earth, no Christian missionaries kind of thing and mm. started researching. And that's what I did. Mm. And then I found a few places. There's no like, that's the darkest place on earth. But there's some places that are really, there's no missionaries going in at the time. And there was a real mm. dangerous place. And one and uh, one of them was the, the Congo. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I said, God, that's where I want to go. Yeah. That seemed like to me like the darkest place at the time. Wow. For me, hit me. So... Uh, that's where I wanted to go. So I started praying into that and then, uh, went, you know, I was invited to this mission school in Brazil 
I didn't really believe in mission schools at the time. I was like real, you know, but the Lord spoke to me. So I, I got a scholarship and a ticket to go. And then I told my mom, look, I'm not coming back. It's only eight weeks, but I'm going straight to Africa. Wow. I told my mom and my dad and they, they were great with that. You know, I don't they, know. If my so mom, they blessed you to do it. They, they were like, me. sure. Yeah. Cause I didn't have any money. Right. I knew it was going to be a miracle of that. Right. <laughs> right. I was 18. But anyway, um, they actually, uh, and so I, I ended up actually, that was my intention. And then I met Heidi out there at that school. She had a vision and she invited me out. I, I initially said no, cause I really felt called to the Congo. Mm. Um, and then, uh, the Lord spoke to me a few weeks before, uh, and said, go to, go to serve first. And so that's what I did. And I got a one-way ticket to there. Someone paid. It was amazing. I think my parents actually helped a little bit, but there was a lady in Italy that, uh, that offered to, she found out and she offered to pay. Mm. And so it was this miracle, um, that happened. And that was, uh, kind of a long story, but ended up being a one-way ticket out there. Uh, and, I had and a how old were you reset. at the time? I was 18. 18. Yep. And I kind of thought I would die out there. I just kind of thought God's going to, you know, and you had that fear initially, right? Of course. Just, just like, is how real is this? But I knew it was real. I read, read the, the Bible. I mean, the, yeah. Matt, the, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. That was mm-hmm. my core of mm-hmm. my theology, yes. you know? And so God, if you seek first the kingdom, all these things are going to be added unto you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went kind of with that in mind and god provided i mean we didn't i didn't have any supporters didn't have any of that you know i was i was young man i didn't know a whole lot actually at all and so uh didn't lord was a personal very gracious. website didn't have didn't the, have i don't think you could card. even maybe you could buy a personal website at the time i don't know but i mean it was like yeah nobody knew i was out there and uh you mean the lord blessed it yeah he was very gracious to me yeah uh through through it all and um and i was able to you know, do kind of what I actually felt on my heart to do. I grew a lot. Yep. Found that, you know, missions world was a little different than I had originally expected. I just didn't have mm. the culture for it. I just didn't know sure, much sure. about like charismatic culture. I didn't, right. I didn't right. know that even really existed. And I knew Randy Clark. Right. But I didn't know about this whole kind of stream and stuff and all these people. And so, uh, to me it was new, but it was, man, amazing time. And, uh, the Lord actually just provided. That's amazing. Uh, you know? And so, here I am now. Yeah, come on. So you were in you were in Mozambique initially for three months, and was that before the Harvest School, or was that, that was for actually, the school? That was that was or Holy Given. It was holy called Holy Given, given at was, the time. It was the first school I actually was okay, admitted wow. as like a as a missionary. Ah, and so that was quite the story as well. They were praying. Roland had just gotten back from the Congo. Wow, the first time. Okay, and they had like some churches had joined Iris, and so. Um, you know, and Shara was there mm. and Heidi. And so they were praying because he had just gotten back. He said, look, in his heart, this is this is how I heard it, is the they were praying because it was such an open nation. They didn't have anybody to send him. Back in Pemba, there was like maybe eight people. Right. Or foreigners, foreign missionaries. This is was, when Pemba was small, you guys. Yeah. This the, was not the Iris Global that you know today. Yeah, we lived on that first little base. You know, yeah, that second right. base was just being constructed, right? And Nobody everyone lived there. Lived there. Everybody lived in the first base. Even Heidi and Roland. Uh, they they had just got, I think they had just gotten their house over okay. by the beach there. Yep. Just down the way. But everybody, all the missionaries, and mm. all, the, all the pastors they, and mm. the kids, we all lived on the first base. Yeah. And so anyway, we, uh, what was I saying, bro? So you were there in Pimba for three oh, months. So I was and in three months. Uh, Roland, he had just come back from the Congo, which I do kind of like remember him sharing stories about that yeah. when I was there a few years later. 
So he's like, we got to send some people in. Yeah, we got to send some people in. And they were praying. And then they get my, my email. My email was like, I was really testing the waters. Even though Heidi had kind of invited me personally, I had said no. So I said, look, God, if this is you, I'm going to really test the waters here. Yeah. I sent an email. And uh, I guess Shara told me later, it was like all in caps. That was not like on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, it was just very right. to the point. I said, look, I don't feel called to Mozambique. Right. I can't really, I don't know if I have the funds to do the process. And I'm okay if you guys deny me. I really, I understand you guys. I just have enough for a one-way ticket right now. Right. And I, I, I can probably get a tent. I can sleep on the floor. I know Portuguese, but my heart is not in Mozambique. Yeah. It really isn't. I can't commit to like two years. Right. I can do six months. I can yep. help you guys, whatever you need. But my heart is in the Congo. And I made wow. that like just really clear. And, I, and, and you know, I kind of thought they're going to probably say no. Right, right. Because right. I'm saying I don't have a call to Mozambique. Well, they were in that meeting. Ron had just gotten back. And they're praying. And I think it was Shara felt like, you know, she's very prophetic. She felt there's someone who's going to email us mm -hmm. something. And so she went to her email. And there she found my email. Mm. I think the subject title had to do with the Congo. Wow. And so, and then she said, look, we got a guy that's saying he has a heart for the Congo. Wow. And that's the only reason I actually got accepted in as a missionary, mm. you know? And so they accepted me as a missionary, but the school was happening very close to when I, when I came very mm. close, the first one. And so I actually got to be part of the, uh, part of it. I first wasn't part of it. I was helping with it. And then, uh, I got to be a student in it for like a month and a half. Mm. And then, you know, back in the day, like the missionaries had to leave. And so the administrator of the school actually was preparing me to take over. So actually I, I helped administrate the school as it was ending. Wow. And so, but I got wow. to be a student for like a month and a half was awesome. Right. right. Really enjoyed the time. It was very different than some of the other schools. How many students were in that first school? I think there were actually close to 200. Wow. So that's a lot of people. There was a lot of people. We didn't have houses for them. And people just slept in tents. Man, there was a, there was a, back in that time, there was actually a little yard mm -hmm. and all the, I think 18 and 19 year old girls. And there were a lot of those. That was, mm. there, I think there was probably like 20 shared a bathroom, like which was basically a tree. We didn't have running water most of the time. Right. And, Latrine. um, and they all slept in tents right wow. next to each other. It was wow. like an outreach, like half the school. Right. And so, I mean, everybody, <laughs> I lived in a house that was 40 minute walk away. Yeah. Wow. And so you so, had to do that every day, every day. Yeah. We all did from that house. Uh, but I mean, God blessed it. You felt like a, you felt like you were getting some real training. Yeah. 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 Doing that. You were doing so, some real missions in that yeah. sense. Yeah. You felt that your flesh was dying. Yeah. So it was great, man. It was great. It was different. You know, it was a first school and, and things just weren't ready. Like the houses that are built now, they're being mm -hmm. built, but they just weren't ready. Mm. So, yeah. So what was it like the first time you went to the Congo then? Because obviously it was not too long after that. And uh, what year was this, by the way? Man, I think we went, I, I mean, I got there in 2005. Uh, we went in, um, man, I want to say it was 2005, actually. Um, so at this point in time, uh, if you guys may or may not remember, Congo was quite a different place in 2005. I mean, it's dangerous today. It's not a place that you're going to go for vacation. But it was in 2005, even the more dangerous. I mean, they were in the midst of civil war. Am I mistaken in saying that? Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're yeah, a and type it was of civil war for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's very, uh, it was a very violent, dark, dangerous place for foreigners to be, mm -hmm. and even the more so in 2005. So you went out there. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. We went like uh, Heidi was just, I mean, she really blessed it. I had just turned 19 that that month before going, mm. and she, uh, she really just blessed it. 
And uh, there was a, a girl that just felt called to Congo. I met her right off the bat because mm. she was called to Congo in the school. And she was one of the, I think she was the only student that actually stayed on mm. from the school. Her name, Cassandra Bassnet. Yeah. And yeah. uh, she, she's doing awesome stuff there now. I yeah. hear and just an uh, amazing person. And, uh, and so, you know, she really wanted to go. And so when Heidi said, like, yeah, let's go, we, I talked to her. And because there was some persecution kind of happening is what we had heard from. There had been some things with the pastors. That's right. And so uh, we just, you know, uh, her and then Will Hart and Moosey Hart. They were yeah, friends. Yeah. And, I mean, there weren't many people of us on guys. base. And then, and then they came as well. They were a huge blessing. I mean, you know, um, wow. Will had done, you know, a lot of more traveling than yeah. me and stuff. And so we went, man. We had to go in through Rwanda. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was an amazing time. I was mm-hmm. expecting persecution mm-hmm. uh, personally. And... <clears throat> Actually, like, you know, there were guys with guns, there were some dangerous situations, but really, we were really blessed because wow. one of the guys that we had an open conference right right off in the beginning, he was a soldier. He okay. came kind of, okay. and uh, I think it was Will that got a word for him and uh, prayed, and, and this guy was really touched, and they loved us, mm. and so they protected us. They would tell us what roads to take, when, what not to take, you know what I mean? And there's corruption on both sides, right? Wow. There's the rebels and the soldiers, but... These guys were were really helpful, mm. and we got to preach to uh, these soldiers. Wow, hardened guys, and and the Lord showed up. It was amazing, you know these hardened guys. Yeah, right. And uh, one of the guys that's uh, one of the national ministers had been there for years. He said, "Look, we never seen any of these soldiers or rebels get saved." Wow. Like if you see them, don't 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 try just just run. Just leave them alone. Yeah, these wow. guys don't have souls. I said, you know. And it's because it done so much stuff, but man, the Lord showed up, you know, simple gospel message. And, yeah. and the Lord showed up. These guys, we had pictures of them crying, laying down their <laughs> guns and, uh, and the Lord blessed that time. So I actually didn't like, you know, I was never like, uh, taken it or, you know, shot at, you right, know, right, um, right, right. We got guys with the guns and the grenades everywhere, but you know, uh, God really blessed it. And we got mm. to see some amazing stuff that first time it was only like 45 days yeah to really establish irish congo there wow so but that's great. A, i mean that's a long trip into a a red zone so to speak yeah you know you don't you don't typically hear about people entering a war zone for 45 days yeah you yeah. know that's that's awesome that's amazing that's so cool so you did that for a while and i, I you know tracking with you that's been about 10 years yeah is that right a decade yeah and now uh people like will uh, heart, you know, mm-hmm. they're obviously doing some itinerant ministry today. And then Cassandra Bassnett Lee, mm-hmm. she's been married now and yeah. she has an organization called justice rising. Yeah. And she's still even doing some stuff in the Congo yeah. in the red zone, starting schools and doing some educational stuff there, which is amazing. And then now you, uh, are also married. Come on. Have two kids. Yes. And you've moved to Brazil. So tell us a little bit about what that's like day to day. What's what's Brazil like for you guys? Yeah, Brazil is just like it was a I felt like I was saying like through the whole mission thing, I feel called the unreached and like, you know, some of the darkest place. Now, Brazil is a really dark place. Yeah. Like, you know, you yeah. got the Amazon, you got unreached people groups in Brazil. It's a big mm-hmm. country. Um, but there's also like huge cities. Mm hmm. And so it wasn't actually a place I ever felt super called to, but I would get visions. And I, I believe God's really wants to raise up a, a movement of missionaries. Yeah, come on. In the end times to, to complete the, the Great Commission before mm. he returns. You know, I, I have a strong uh, conviction about that. And that's what I, that's part of my the biggest dream in my heart is to see that happen. Now, 
you know, talking to Heidi and stuff like we, what we saw is that Brazilians just had an ease in missions. Like I'm mm. there, I, you know, I wish I was more Brazilian. My parents are Brazilian. Um, and I have some of that culture in me, but I grew up in America. Right. right? And right. so, uh, when I got there, man, I was depressed for like a month cause my flesh was dying. I didn't know I was so attached to running water until I got there. <laughs> you know, I didn't have right. a bed, you know, I didn't have anything. Um, didn't have a pillow and you know, sometimes I didn't have water. Mm. Right. And I didn't have money. And so I prayed for water every day and man, I'll tell you what, it was amazing. That part was amazing. Wow. But, but man, I didn't have friends. I didn't mm. have a lot of things. And so, but the, you know, I was sad, but God, God was so gracious in that dying period. Mm -hmm. and, and I made it through and, and you know, he made me a new person. I'm yeah. so blessed by that. But, um, the Brazilians, it took them like a day to do it. <laughs> they were just great after they, they just like, adjusted. They're oh like, man, we're good. And, and it's like, not just one, they all did this. And that's what we see. Like, there's just some, you know, in that warm culture and, uh, and there's just something there. And so Heidi used to say, this, we used to talk like we need some Brazilians over here. Right. They right, speak right, Portuguese. Right. They're amazing. Right. Like they dab quickly. Yeah. They're, they're great. That's and we just awesome. didn't see a lot of Brazilians coming through to stay. Mm. And, uh, and it's a big nation, a lot of churches. And mm. so, but you know, there's a lot of words over Brazil. It's going to be a missionary sending nation, but it's just not a reality. Wow. Uh, it is, it sends missionaries, right? but the words are like, it's going to send a lot. It's going to mm -hmm. be, and I used to have visions about China and Brazil and some yeah, other countries, but yeah. a lot of people yeah. from China and Brazil. And so when the opportunity came up to, we had just gotten married, my beautiful wife and I, and mm -hmm. uh, we decided to go there, mm. you know, uh, we wanted to be in mission. So 10 days after we got married, we moved down there. Wow. 10 days. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's we, awesome. uh, and we've been there and, you know, we didn't know if we were going to start a local ministry and we ended up doing right. that god led us to do that and in a, a missional community and so you know it's changed a lot in the beginning it was a, we did a lot of just going in to mm. kind of the streets teaching you know doing treasure hunts and evangelizing trying to get out to to these people right. favela you right. know um stuff and we joined with a guy, amazing guy uh who had been working in the favelas mm. and so he's he's amazing he's our co-leader now He's one of the leaders there at, at Irish Fortaleza. And uh, and that's what we did. But now, to be honest, as it's grown, like my heart is to see the Brazilians being raised up and the foreigners, our missionaries, right, to really go out yeah. into some of these dark places. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing people really come from all over the world that, that want family, you know, and want to be taught and and then have a dream for the nations. Yes. And so we have like teams going, like I told you, maybe to Turkey. Yeah. next year i'm yeah. really excited or at the end of yeah, 2016 on. so they've done the scout trip but that's a big place closed big nation place. and gotta learn the language takes a lot of uh commitment yeah and conviction so i'm excited to see them there's a team that's going to asia now next month and we have a team in england right now that's helping wow. start a, a prayer room prayer wow. house over there just for a few months and so you know we have in the next two years we hope to have teams kind of in asia Come and on. in the Middle East and, and in Africa. It's amazing. So how many people are down there with you? I mean, full-time staff right now is probably around like all over the world that are with us is probably 40. Wow. Um, and so basically what you guys have in Brazil as missionaries there, you and your wife, um, if I could say an intentional community of yeah. people who are uh, together serving one another and... Uh, pursuing Jesus for mm. what he wants to do with them in their life, wherever that might be. And so Iris Fortaleza is almost like a, 
I might say a, a landing strip and a launching pad. Yeah. People come there uh, to join in and become a part of the community, but they're also looking to where God's sending them. Totally. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. And so you guys are literally sending people all over the world uh, from Brazil. Yeah. Man, that is just so, so phenomenal. I love that. I love that so much. Dude, I, I can't thank you enough for sharing some of your story. And, I, you know, I can't help but to also just consider um, what you mentioned about the Great Commission. Mm. You know, I, I don't think that we hear a ton, in, in the American church at least, about the Great Commission. I mean, we hear about it because it's emphasized and it's deemed important, but we don't really receive very much practical instruction or even practical in, encouragement to pursue it on a day-to-day basis. And I might say that's simply because we're so busy. Mm. You know, we've busied ourselves out of responding to the Great Commission in a very real way. So, you know, what is it about the Great Commission for you that you've been able to simply keep in front of you day in, day out? How do you focus and put your effort and apply your strengths to the Great Commission day in and day out? Maybe you have some encouragement for people. Yeah, I mean, I think actually like the, one of the great—I I say this to our missionaries, one of the greatest challenges— I think it's to keep the reality mm. on your, in your, on your mind. What's actually happening, right? Our eyes see something, right? Right. We feel something. It's very easy to be like, you know, um, feel like this world's just going around, right? Mm. And deism is such a big thing, I think, in our culture. You and, know, and this, explain that. What's and deism? Is, is kind of like uh, if you've heard of like the clock maker god the watchmaker god and, right, and right. stuff he just he made this beautiful place yeah. he, he he made all the laws of nature he made you and then he's just watching mm. right and so a lot of people like don't realize that, that that's a very anti-christian kind of um attitude it's almost wow. atheist wow. back in the day deism but it's infiltrated culture very yeah. much and especially christian culture uh and and i'm western right mm. my christian yeah. influence is western and so we have this right like god just put us here and it's just, the world is going around. It's been going like this for 2000 years. It hasn't changed. It's cycling. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um, and we don't see that. Like actually it's moving forward. God's mm. plan is actually going forward. It's aggressively moving. His kingdom's aggressively taking ground mm-hmm. and he's got an interest. That's There's, right. You know, even, you know, people talk about the prophets. They say, oh, see, that's what we're at. You know, they sin, right. judgment, sin, right. judgment. And actually, the prophets, it wasn't like that. You look mm-hmm. at the first prophets, you're going, there's still a chance for you. The wow. last prophets are like, hey, you missed it. Right. Now you're going into captivity. Just get your stuff. <laughs> Don't even pray. Right. Otherwise, because right. this is happening. Yeah. And, and there's a progression. Mm. And so I believe in that, but that's so hard to see on mm. the day to day. So I think it takes consistent prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and when you get in that place of prayer and worship and, and your heart is open to that. Right. You know, my prayer has been, God, I want to see things as they are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. were talking about, you know, the, one of the kindest things you can do for people is to tell them about Jesus. That's the kindest thing you can do. I, yeah. I'm, I believe that mm-hmm. 100%. You know, and if I could see the spiritual reality of someone on the mm. street, they're rich, happy, and they don't have Jesus, mm. man, I would tell them about Jesus. The mm. problem is I can't see that, you know, and I have all these things going around. I'm looking at their smile. I'm looking at their car. I'm going, this guy's okay. Right. And I have to believe what the Bible says. I have to believe what my spirit is saying, not what I'm seeing. That's right. And when you keep that in mind, I think the Great Commission uh, becomes so real to you. That's good. Right? Because the world, the state of the world, we look in America, we're like, it's okay. Right. We're all fine. We're okay. You know, like it's bad. Like there's, 
there's abortion, there's stuff, it's bad, but it's like, it's okay. The shootings. Yeah, the shootings, you know. Right. But in the back of my mind, it's like, well, that happened at one place. Yeah. Let's pray for those people. But the world's kind of okay. We're doing a good right. job managing it. Right, right. Right? And us Christians, we're holding our ground, and, and it's kind of like, it's okay. The world just keeps spinning. Yeah. And actually, like, there is an ending to this mm. story. That's right. And I think uh, Revelations is so strong, people don't want to talk about it. But Jesus is coming back. Like, it doesn't right. matter what your eschatology is. Mm-hmm. He is returning. Yes. That's part of anyone's eschatology for Christian. Mm-hmm. He's going to come back. He's going to establish his kingdom. And so that's what we're moving towards, his return. Mm-hmm. And uh, But that's hard to remember all the time, but it's it's consistent prayer, putting yourself in a place of re- reading the, the Bible and reminding yourself of what is actually happening in this world, mm-hmm. you know, contrary to what we might see or feel. So good. So good, man. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think is a, a common thread in our podcast and in our church and ministry and life and discipleship as we speak to people. And that's just a, a, a simple encouragement to pray fast and mm. read the Bible. Come on. But unfortunately, those three things have become almost um, distant to modern-day Western Christians. And I think it's those three things that actually keep us grounded and keep us powerful and keep us broken and humble, unlike anything else. Totally. It's a holy prescription. I mean, God has given us prayer, fasting, and His Word. And, uh, you know, perhaps that's a good way for us to end today, guys, is just a simple encouragement that if you, um, if you are going to be responsible, and you should be, to what God has spoken to you, uh, you know, through his word and that he wants to speak to you through prayer. Like be mm. reminded, be encouraged and be challenged that you can be as close to God as you'd like to be. But if you're a Christian, you have a responsibility and the great commission is not the great suggestion. It's not optional. Come on. It's mandatory. It's something that God expects for all of his children to pursue. And that is obedience to his word. And that includes a great commission. Oh man, Herbert, I think that I have been blessed. I think that our church has been blessed uh, by, by you being with us this weekend. And I pray that all of our listeners that uh, listen to our podcast each week, you know, perhaps on their commute, commute to work uh, or maybe, you know, doing some yard work or something like that. I really pray that you guys are blessed as well. And I pray that you're in, uh, encouraged but challenged also in your heart is that missions is still happening in the world today and god has called you to be a missionary perhaps that's in your city perhaps it's in a distant city but why don't you take a moment um after listening to this podcast guys and 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 spend some time in prayer ask the lord you know how does the great commission apply to my life because i can promise you it does and herbert i think you'd agree with that right come on <laughs> absolutely yeah man so um are there any final thoughts that you have as we uh just sort of conclude the podcast today Man, that was awesome what you said. Yeah, I think it's that thing. People are looking for a, a secret. Mm. You know, young people come and they say, how do you do it? Like, how do you sustain or 10 years or how do you right. see, you know, and you they want to know how to be a man of God, but they want the secret. Mm. And it's like, it's prayer. We all know what it is. It's so good. You just got to, it's simple. It's just yeah. hard sometimes, right? But right. Fasting, prayer, like you said. Come on. Reading the, God, reading the Bible all mm. the time. Mm. You know, it's important stuff. And that's come what's going to change you. So good. So good. Well, guys, we just thank you once more for listening in to the Conversations podcast. You know, I'm so sorry Allison couldn't be with us today, um, but we had the opportunity just to hang out, Herbert and I, this morning, Monday morning. 
And so we hope that you're blessed by the podcast. If you would like, you can share the podcast with your friends or perhaps somebody that you know it might encourage. And if you enjoyed it and it blessed you, please give us a rating and a review on the iTunes store because the more ratings and reviews that we receive, the more accessible this podcast is uh, to new listeners. So, you know, our heart is to be a blessing and encourage and equip people uh, all over the world. So if you guys wouldn't mind doing that, we'd be greatly appreciative. And then if you do have any feedback or questions for us, feel free to email us or hit us up on social media at any time. Links to that are in the show notes. And we just want to say a big God bless you and thank you once more to Herbert. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, blessing to be here. Bless you guys.